Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode. Today I'm talking to Sarah Turner, co-founder of health tech company Sarah Thrive, as well as a host of the Rebel Scientist podcast. Sarah has a science research background with particular interest in the application of light in biology and biohacking. She is also curious about the role of physics in relation to biology and is currently exploring the fields of quantum biology, photomedicine and consciousness studies. I'm personally fascinated by the world of alternative health and over the years have become more aware of the importance of taking responsibility for your own well-being. Sarah's approach comes with both unorthodox and alternative angles and is largely about gaining a deeper understanding of your body, being more in tune with your environment and knowing how to look after it at different phases of your life. It's a riveting discussion in which Sarah does a great job of simplifying fairly complex subjects and I loved hearing her passion and drive for holistic health, the research she's doing and the product she's working to create and bring to market. Please enjoy the episode. Hello Sarah, welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Hi Warren, it's lovely to be here. It's great to be having this conversation with you today, Sarah. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about your new startup, Sarah Thrive. That's Is right. Have I pronounced that right? Yes, Sarah Thrive, yes. Sarah Thrive, good. Um, and also, you know, about your podcast, which is called The Rebel Scientist, um, which probably gives our listeners a bit of a background to you before we even start. <laughs> yes. But the main focus of our discussion really today is about alternative health, health and bio um, hacking. So for our listeners who might not have heard of biohacking, could you explain to us what it actually is? Because it sounds quite scary to start with yes. and how you came to be involved with it. Yeah, it's a bit of a funny word. It's a bit kind of uh, masculine. It's a bit kind of techified mm. uh, biohacking. And I think that's because really um, it evolved out of Silicon Valley, you know, oh, where they yeah. had all the the computer stuff and hacking was a big word. And it's accredited to a guy called Dave Asprey who first coined the term biohacking. Okay. Um, but really, my interpretation is just how you hack or you modify your environment, internal and external, okay. to optimize your biology. Uh, okay. So that's the term I use. It can be taken in the extreme. And I know if people like Google biohacking, they may come up with all kinds of crazy things where people... Science fiction, nearly. Almost, yeah. yeah. You know, people putting things in their eyes so they can see differently, microchips under the skin, like yeah. gene splicing. So that's the kind of extreme version, which is normally called now transhumanism. Okay. But biohacking and the kind of biohacking I do and the kind of biohacking my friends are all into is more about changing your environment to be more like 
a natural environment that we've evolved in to optimise your biology. Brilliant. Right. So that's an initial explanation yes. and I'm starting to understand okay. already, which is good. So can you give some examples of the biohacking that, you know, you talk about being more at one with your environment, mm-hmm. really. So it gives us, listeners, some good examples. Well, I'll start off with light because that's my thing. Yeah. Um, so if you think about human biology, really, we've only had artificial light for a, a few hundred years. But as humans, we've kind of evolved these bodies, you know, probably in this current form for about 200,000 years. So we are totally evolved to deal with light in a certain way. And one of the more simple ways to understand that is, you know, like your circadian biology, Mm. you know, as humans or diurnal mammals. Yeah. We have evolved to kind of see morning sunlight, to be active during the middle of the day, to not really have any light in the evening. You know, that's yeah. the time when winding down, sitting by a fire yeah. and then obviously going to sleep. So one of the main, very, very easy ways that people can start to be more in tune with that is to do things like seeing the sunrise, okay. getting outside in the day and getting those light frequencies because the body has got loads of light and, receptors. We're evolved to do that. And seeing that whole bandwidth of light receptors, I suppose. That's right, a whole frequency. That's right. Because the frequency of light will change during the day naturally in the sky. You know, you see more red light in the morning and you see more of the blue spectrums in the middle of the day and red in the evening. And that actually does stuff for our biology. Okay. That maybe, you know, if we just spend all our time indoors, we're missing that crucial piece. And clearly, then, in that scenario, that kind of artificial light, the light from devices in the evening, you say, will be an influence. Oh, for sure, yeah. On our bodies in a negative way. Yes. Yeah, we're kind of telling, you know, if you're looking at a screen, you know, if it's like midnight and you're looking at a blue screen, you're, you're telling your body that it's the middle of the day. Yeah. And, and your body does certain things in the middle of the day, you know. as Like I say, we're mammals, essentially, yeah. foraging for food, you know, all of those kinds of things. So I don't think it's any coincidence, you know, the rise of technology coincides with an obesity epidemic because... We're getting a lot of these signals in the form of light cues and our body is acting accordingly. It's middle of the day. Let's get some carbohydrates. Of course, we're not out there foraging anymore. So what do people do? Quite the opposite. Straight in the fridge, (laughs) isn't it? You know, (laughs) straight in the fridge. It's so easy. So I think, yeah, those things like being aware of the influence of external cues like light. Yeah is something that's very, very big in the biohacker movement. And it's something that makes intuitive sense to me. And that's why I've kind of devoted my time to looking specifically at light. But of course, there are other cues in the environment. But yeah, that's something that's... I think people, once they start to think about it, they understand, okay, yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, once you get, again, past that term biohacking. Yes. Which things feels like more like adapting your genes or something. And you really talk about what it really means, which is actually being at one with the nature being one in the environment tuning your body accordingly yeah that's right then it becomes more real isn't it something that people would understand and adapt to more yeah i think the hacking word needs to go really but we're kind of stuck with it for now (laughs) (laughs) things but i'm really interested in your kind of background because you've got to this point um clearly through being intrigued but you've come back from a you know studied biology you come through from a very orthodox kind of side of things as well and you have studied those both orthodox and alternative medicines to get to this point and you've worked in the kind of pharmaceutical world so you know tell us a little bit about your journey and how you came to be where you are today so yeah that's true I have come through that fairly orthodox route and uh 
I studied uh, biology, as you said, I studied chemistry, I studied pharmacology, toxicology, and I spent a long time at um, drug companies like Glaxo, like Merck, Sharp and Dome. And actually, it was there that I started to kind of intuit that, you know, maybe there's more to health than just, you know, one drug that fits one symptom. Um, and I'm not big pharma bashing, I do think there is a place for mm. it. But I also think for for long-term health issues, a more holistic view is needed. Yeah. And I'll just give you an example. When I was working at Glaxo, I was on a task force looking at um, drug inhalers for asthma. And for, they don't work for some people, and why not? And so we began to find out that they don't work so well if you've got a big build-up of static charge in your body. Okay. Because the charge affects the deposition of the drug particles in okay. your lungs. Yeah. So, of course, you know, I was working for Glaxo, you know, that they have their mission which is to produce good products so they were making a product which has less static in it yeah but from my point of view i was thinking well the easiest thing is just to ground people yeah just get outside Re really it's a very simple thing to do get outside stand on the ground and that's it you will dissipate the static charge right take your inhaler and it will work better yeah but of course you know that's not something you know that's that yeah. people doesn't want to, fit necessarily in that doesn't corporate necessarily environment, fit that corporate environment and also it's a holistic approach where you know it's people don't want to be you know they want a simple instruction yeah do this you know a to b to c yeah. instead of a more holistic okay let's think how we can maximize efficacy so really just from doing those simple experiments i began to say okay that Really, we need to take responsibility for ourselves first, yeah. because it could be if you grounded every day, maybe you don't need the drug. Yeah. Because it could be the buildup of charge that's causing the malfunction to happen in parts of the body. Yeah. So that's that's where you're right. I spent a lot of time in that kind of orthodox world, and and there is a place for yeah. those kinds of things in acute care, but. I've very much switched my focus now for chronic long-term health yeah. to things where you can take responsibility, very small, simple things you can do to maximise your environment. So, which is brilliant, because I think that what, you know, when I looked into your background before we recorded this, and, you know, I love the entrepreneurial aspect of what you're doing now, but I was also really intrigued by kind of the alternative health, alternative medicine for so many, many reasons, and that long-term kind of care and what it can bring and how you look after yourself. But what actually made me really intrigued about having you on the podcast was that credibility about having been that side. And, and I've read articles and I've listened to some stuff that you've done on the mm -hmm. Rebel Scientist podcast. And I'm like, well, actually, you know, she's not bad-mouthing Big Pharma. This isn't somebody, you know, woohoo, kind of, this is somebody that's come from that world that says there could just be a better way. And I think that's really interesting. So when, it, when I then think about it, and then I, I think about you talk about, you know, chronic health and looking after your long-term health, if we've got a listener listening to this, perhaps in a you know business owner, business leader in a stressed environment, what are some of the simple things that you would recommend that they could do that would aid their long-term health? You know, we've talked about light as one example. Yeah, but like I say, these are very simple things. It's about trying to live what it, as much as you can in tune with a, a natural environment that our bodies have evolved on. So yeah. I would say the, the easiest thing you can do is before you look at your phone in the morning, look at the sun okay i mean if you can stand outside on grass and ground while you do it yeah doesn't matter if it's snowing or raining or whatever you know you've only got to do it for a, a couple of minutes yeah that will set you up for the day you know your body will then start to know where it is on the planet because you've kind of grounded yourself you've dissipated any charge and you're seeing the natural light so you've kind of centered your body it's like okay it's the start yeah. of the day and and this has a this has a massive effect on hormone production and all kinds of things okay. that will set you up for even hormone production in the evening starts 
with the body getting the cues at the start of the day. Okay. And then being outside as much as you can. Now, I know we all have jobs to go to yeah. and screens to look at. That's, of everyday life. Of course. We? But, you know, if you can walk at lunchtime, you mm. know, and just an hour, you know, you're, you're getting those frequencies. Okay. And then, of course, sleep. Yeah. Now, sleep is, sleep is now being thought of as one of the major influences of health down the line. And certainly things like dementia and yeah. long-term health illness seem to, seem to stem from a lack of sleep or a lack of good quality sleep. Yeah. So prioritizing sleep, you know, it's not the most exciting or sexy thing you can do, is it, to say, right, you've got to go to bed early. <laughs> go to bed, you've got to go to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> but trying to, get, trying to sort of make sure that for the majority of the nights you go to bed, you know, at yeah. like 10 or 11 o'clock so that you're asleep during those hours where yeah. the brain is actually... When your body naturally wants to be asleep. That's yeah. right, because things happen during certain hours. You know, your body is kind of like a clock. Okay. It does different things at different times of the evening. And so the body actually flushes the, br- the brain during periods of deep sleep, which usually occur sort of around about midnight to two o'clock, it may be 11 o'clock to two o'clock. Okay. So if you're missing that, you're not flushing the brain, you know, yeah. long term, that could possibly build up have chemicals a, and all sorts. Yeah, build up of toxins, you know, you're kind of setting yourself up for long term health problems. Yeah. And of course, you know, I don't have to talk about eating good food. I mean, people, we kind yeah. of know it. But it's something to... We all know it. We all know it. It's so easy, isn't it? We hear it all the time. Fruit and vegetables, stay away from processed foods. Actually, I think from the food side, now people are starting to look at things like carnivore diets, you know, actually putting more meats and more Mm. animal fats into people's diets, which is something we've been told not to do for a long time. Yeah. So things like healthy fats, um, you know, making sure less processed food... Maybe okay. adding a little bit of salt, you know, but these are things where people need to do a bit of research because certainly, yeah. you know, the advice and we're, we're bombarded with packaged foods that claim to be healthy, but actually mm. are just processed yeah. foods, you know. So healthy foods, good water, you know, if you can filter your water. Yeah. You know, these, these are all little things you can little do steps. that add up, you know, yeah. potentially they add up. Grounding cold even cold water you know that's something i know um i was lucky enough to meet wim hoff oh, have you heard okay. of him the yes now i've followed reddysburg as most people these days i have but I do, I do a cold shower every morning it's one of my things that i do yeah simple simple things but you know cold water has yeah. now been shown to have a huge what they call hormetic response which is like a little bit of stress that's good for you yeah you know your body needs a little bit of a challenge and to have like a cold water shower or even like face dunking where you put your face in iced water yeah if you can do cold swimming. I mean, yeah. here, we're, here we're lucky, we live in Bournemouth, yeah. so, you know, we can go swimming in the sea, Yeah. you know, just 10 minutes, and you totally kind of charge your body, you change okay. the body's chemistry, you kind of exercise your blood vessels because they're contracting and releasing yeah. with the cold and the heat. You know, again, yeah. these are not things where you need a lot of gadgets, you don't need a lot of money to no. do any of these of things I've said simple, so far. Yeah. yeah, nothing so far at all. So where are you on sort of kind of, I'll say, beauty products, products, you know, shampoo, shower gels, anything that you put on your skin that involves everyday products versus, you know, toxin-free products? Yeah. Is that part of biohacking again or is that a completely different subject? No, of course that's biohacking because all you're doing is, I mean, we didn't have um, head and shoulders and Timotei, you know, (laughs) when we were like... In the the cave times. This is something that's very (laughs) new. Yeah, of course. 
And so as much as possible, remove toxins from your world, yeah. from your from your cleaning products, from your household products. You know, I don't use any of these kind of face creams. I just use coconut oil. Right. You know, coconut oil's got its own sun protection factor. It's easy to get hold of and it's yeah. just 100% that one thing. I mean, people, obviously you have to look at your life yes. and see what your priorities are. And, you know, if you definitely can't give up, you know, a fancy shampoo, you know, maybe you could yeah. change your cleaning products or... But I do think we live in a very toxic world. Yes. And a lot of it is unnecessary and a lot of it is marketing. Yeah. And, you know, you could probably clean your counters just as well with some vinegar as you could with this kind of highly toxic yeah. chemical. And and although it's just small and, and we say, oh, well, it doesn't matter, you know, it's only a tiny bit, but it's a cumulative effect yeah. of all the toxins that you're dealing with. So it just makes sense to reduce as much as you can. Yeah, make a big difference, doesn't it? If you think of a typical lifetime, I don't know, 75, 80 right. years, those little toxins build up. Little build toxins up. building up. Yeah, and I think things like, certainly, like say, my main education pathway is in brain health. Okay. And certainly looking at brain health, you know, there is evidence to suggest that there a build-up of toxins in the body, what they call neuroinflammation, is one of the major causes of getting dementia down the line. Okay. So, you know, if it's... Something very simple like swapping out your beauty products for non-toxic ones. Yeah. And it's also more ethical, you know. Yeah. You don't want to be polluting the planet that we live on as much as you can. No, there's two sides to it, isn't That's it? There's right. the environmental as well as the personal health That's aspects right. as well. But you've spent time living in California. You've studied and researched at Berkeley and MIT as well. So renowned kind of universities over there. How do you... You know, in my naive approach, maybe, or, or way in view of the world, I see America as, you know, that is big pharma world. Everybody's on some sort of drug over there. But how do they approach this world of, and these subjects of alternative medicine? You know, are they far more receptive to it than perhaps we are in the UK and as Europeans, or is it very similar? Well, I think certainly there is more opportunity in the States for alternatives Okay. in science. They are a lot more open-minded. Okay. For sure, California. And I think maybe because it's fairly new, you know, they don't have this whole academic history that, you know, we bring with us in Europe. Yeah. Uh, and so they can be a little bit more open-minded. And certainly there are a lot of, like, the big organisations, like the big universities like Harvard, yeah. is probably that's accredited with the most research in photomedicine, for example. Okay. Um, uh, they have Dr. Hamblin there, who's usually, you know, the most published guy on um, okay. photobiomodulation, which is a very long word for just light yeah. therapy. So that is light therapy. I was just yes. going to check on that because I'm thinking that must be light therapy, but that's what it is. I know, yeah. it's a very long... Again, we're kind <laughs> yeah. of stuck with these ridiculous words, but yeah, photo as in light, yeah. bio as in biology, and modulation as okay. in changing something. Yeah. But there's a whole school of photomedicine there. Okay. And then certainly in a lot of the big cities in the States, they have... A lot of schools are specifically looking at these more alternative ways okay. of treating people. And and really, I think my time in California is what helped me to grow more in that area because I could go to a lot more events, a lot more oh, people okay. were talking about it. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And they have a different system out there. You know, their health system is different, whereas here we kind of have the National Health Service where really you have to yeah. do what's in front of you yeah. or you pay out. Whereas there they have... Um, insurance and you can kind of pick and choose what you okay, do so they're more open to yes using alternative sort of medicine as therapies and treatments they are as in part a way of their kind of paid for kind of insured services yes or if 
if they have to pay a lot for for the treatment they're getting they're probably more motivated to do something to prevent it in the first place yeah, okay. whereas here we just wait till we get ill and then we yeah, get we it treated for NHS. free yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay. so th- so there is more people actually using i think if you were to go to the states and talk about red light therapy a lot more people would know okay. what you were talking about whereas here it's still very fringe yeah and where do you that's a really interesting so we're going off a bit of a tangent but you know, the NHS is an amazing organisation. It does wonderful things. But it's, you know, having had some recent experiences with the NHS, it's very much prescriptive. It's, yes. this is the way, this is what it's going to be. Yep. There's, there's a path. And actually, you know, what you're doing sits outside of that and they would never necessarily describe or even suggest trying kind of biohacking, really, would they? they you know, no. I, I've got a great example, um, you know, from a from a place where somebody really was in a with cancer and and they were getting all the advice outside of the nhs to do exactly what you're saying you know remove toxins mm-hmm. um change their diet do all of those things and the nhs were like well come and come and have this wonderful drug treatment which is clearly amazing and right time right place needs to be done but once you've done it, you're going to feel a bit low. Just go and have loads of sugary food. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it just kind of like, even in that moment in my mind was like, well, there's just this contrast here. Yes. So where do you think, what's got to happen within the UK for some alternative, you know, the subjects that you talk about to become more mainstream, what's got to happen, Sarah? I think it has to start with the education. Yeah. Because at the moment, there's no... I mean, what I'm talking about really is biophysics, like the interaction of things like light with the body or even like magnetic fields, all of these different things. And it's not in the curriculum of of any kind of medical professional, doctor, nurse, nurse practitioner. They don't get taught this. So for a start, you don't know what you don't know. So, you know, I've spoken to a lot of doctors and they're quite astounded that light can even penetrate the skull, you know. Okay. And I'm like, yep. So, so I think the education has to be there. I mean, the NHS it has there are tiny little inroads, and there's um, okay. Thor, which is a company based in Cambridge, and the guy there, James Carroll, has got a medical approval within the NHS for treating side effects of throat cancer with red light. Okay, but really, that's because there's nothing else. Okay. You know, they've got nothing. They've got no drug, and so they're willing to look at it because I think we are still very much in a pharmaceutical model. Yeah. And we are very much still controlled by the pharmaceutical giants, mm. certainly financially. So, you know, we are bound in that way. You know, they there are big... They dictate the way the world... The they moment. do, yeah, yeah, they do at the moment. And also they dictate the research that can go ahead because most universities, you know, if you can't just do research, you need funding. It needs to be funded, yeah. It needs to be funded. And a lot of the funding comes from the pharmaceutical okay. companies. So, of course, they're not going to fund something that goes against yeah. their products. Their commercial interests. Yeah. It's not conspiracy theory. This is just how the, yeah, the, the way world of the we're world. in. It is, isn't it's it? It's just the, the way of the world. The world. Yeah. But I think as more and more people start to try these things and we start to see, okay, we do need an alternative because drugs just don't work for everything. No. And like I say... It's great that James Carroll's made it to make a little inroad and we can you can get it light therapy on the NHS for certain things. Yeah. I mean even light works in different ways, but things like jaundice babies, you know, we've been using light therapy for jaundice babies for a very long time. Yeah. It's not red light, it's a different spectrum of light, but it is recognized. Yeah. It's light therapy. 
And I think the other thing is people have to take personal responsibility yeah. for themselves because you can go to the doctor and be told what to do, but ultimately it's your choice. Yeah, it's your body, isn't it's it? It's your, your body. health. Yeah. And for a start, you can do preventative as much as you can by doing these simple things. And secondly, you know, you can make a choice that, no, I'm going to research this myself. Yeah. I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to try yeah. all of these different things. And self-experimentation is really <laughs> the ultimate form of science. Okay. I suppose that what science is, a series of experiments, it's isn't about it? Observa- it's about doing something and observing the effect. So, you know, you can observe the effect. If your doctor tells you to go home and eat sugary foods to make yourself feel better, yeah. try it for a week. Yeah. And then try walking out in nature, eating good, healthy fats, yeah. getting rid of toxins, and see which one actually makes you feel better. Definitely. Because that's the test, isn't it? It is. And I suppose, and everybody's body is different, isn't it? There must be yes. some common themes in the way in which you yeah. know, our bodies operate, as you've talked about, in terms of sleep and reaction to light. But I suppose what works for one person won't work for another in terms of this world of biohacking. I mean, there must be some common themes. So I suppose it is about self-experimentation. It's about, it? yeah, you're, you're totally right, because I think that's another thing that gets missed out, certainly in the current medical model, that your body is going to change depending on how old you are, what sex you are, you know, yeah. where you are in your life, what stresses you have going on. So these are all things where you can totally tailor your own program to suit yourself. Yes. I did a brilliant podcast the other day with a lady who was talking about women's menstrual phases and certain hacks or even certain medicines don't work the same depending on the phase of your menstrual cycle. Okay. Again, these are things that and not, you're not going to find in the textbook or your no. doctor's not going to tell you because it's just too nuanced and they need like a general message yeah, for people. Definitely. But if you're taking responsibility for yourself, you can research these things. Yeah. I mean, we've got the internet now, yeah. you know. There's but isn't the, that a dangerous place? You just have to be discerning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. You do. And I think there are places where you can look for credible research. If someone says something, is it backed up by someone yeah. else? Are there papers behind it? And I think, you know, when people start looking at these things, I mean, we spoke about Wim Hof, you know, he's yeah. such a brilliant character and he brought all of this cold. Yeah. But actually, he's done a lot of work, certainly in the Netherlands, like actually documenting this yeah. and publishing it and getting universities to... He's actually done, you know, using himself as the yeah. patient and experiments on himself again, but actually done it under medical supervision, hasn't he? That's, That's why right. and it's some of his stuff is mm-hmm. now coming mainstream because actually there are doctors and... You know, medical professionals actually supporting what he does and can see the benefits. Yeah. And if you now Google, you know, if cold thermogenesis or yeah. um, cold, there's a whole lot of medical papers that you can look at. Now, I know not everyone wants to look at medical papers, yeah. but you can certainly just look at the abstract of papers or you can look at where they've been summarized yeah. and make your own judgment. Yeah. So I think really it's, we do live in a time where we kind of maybe put too much faith in doctors to kind of tell yeah. us what to do. When really, you're right, the only people that really know about ourselves and, and our body yeah, yeah. is us. So yeah. to use yourself to kind of think, right, okay, does that sit right with me? Let me try it. If I eat yeah. sugar, I, I don't feel good. So, yeah. you know, I will maybe try this. Yeah. And are you one of those, so you'd also, by the sound of it, advocate a process where you, you know, try something, see how it works. If it works for you, great. Now try something else rather than... You know, we're all yin-yang in life in modern world, isn't it? We feel rubbish, so right, big bang, big thing, right, I'm going to try everything at once. Would your kind of 
thing be, well, just commit and build on it and build on it and build on it? I mean, what would your approach if you were advising somebody? My approach is to start with the basics first yeah. because you need to build up your resilience and your, you know, it's no use thinking, right, okay, I'm going to swim for an hour in cold water, you know, yeah. if you're really stressed out because your body won't like that, mm. you know. But if you start with the real basics like sleep, yeah. you know, very, very basic, um, getting outside, yeah. um, reducing stress, you know, those things, if you can start with that, build up your own resilience then for a start, you can make better decisions and better choices. So you can decide to do something extreme like, oh, I'm only going to do carnivore and yeah. I'm only going to eat meat for a month. You know, that's something that you could try. But I think building up to it is a good idea. Yeah. And, and just building up with... Step by step. Yeah. Remi you know, reducing toxins, and that includes like alcohol or any yeah. kind of drugs if possible. Sleep, getting outside. Then you can start to look at, okay, how can I tweak? Because some of these things are more tweaks aren't they yeah, the like, nuances they're nuances yeah. yeah like the you know like some of these i have a lot of different devices that do a lot of different things you can change your magnetic fields you can change the ions in your room yeah um but but yeah i think checking your internal environment and checking your external environment because people tend to forget about their external environment like are you living in a moldy house you know that can have a massive effect yeah. so that might be somewhere if you notice that you've got all black mold up yours that yeah. might be a good place to, to start, start yeah. yeah so it's about looking at your internal and external environment and prioritizing yeah. and maybe making a few changes yeah see how you adjust build go your again. resilience yeah build your resilience go again that's it so in in you know what's the ultimate future of i'm going to use the word again biohacking i mean how different do you think our health and our medicine and our bodies are going to be in say 30 or 50 years time do you think this will become more mainstream you know what, what, what journey would you hope you know the world's population is on in terms of biohacking and, and some of these subjects I, ha I have two different minds about it sometimes you know when I look around and everybody's glued to their phone and kids are all addicted to screens you know and and it seems like yeah. you know now we're getting web three and now you know it seems to me like oh my goodness I don't even know what it's going to be like in yeah. five or ten years time because certainly technology seems yeah. to be here to stay right now yeah so I think it's going to become more and more important to understand the effects of these kind of non-native electromagnetic fields you know yeah. the wi-fi and the computers yeah. and the light uh, it would be nice to think that that more people are going to take responsibility in this kind of citizen science and because we've got more information yeah. it would be nice to think that people can more progress down that way yeah i'm not i'm just not sure how that's going certainly at the moment it still seems to be very fringe and it's going to be kind of left out on the fringe because yeah. it, it, it's just not at the moment, it seems like we're taking a little bit of a dive downwards in return in in overall general health of the population, yeah. and and economic conditions and recession or whatever may be coming down the line. Yes, over the next twelve eighteen months doesn't help, does it? Because no, it doesn't help. That's... No, it just piles on the stress, and we know that stress is yeah. kind of one of the the biggest problems with health, and also it it kind of impedes your ability to make good yeah. choices. You know, when you're stressed. But but let's be optimistic and think that this is just going to be a temporary yeah. blip. Absolutely. And people are going to come out on the other side. And I think, you know, kids are more clued up about using technology yeah. and computers. And I think they're less about, you know, learning from a certain book. People yeah. are more about getting the latest and newest information. Yeah. So certainly I'm hoping there's going to be more investment in 
learning about biophysics yeah. or learning about the physics of biology rather than just following this chemical model. Yeah, which is really interesting. When you say that, that you know, I think about two girls, and I think the interest that they've got more in sustainability and the environment, mm-hmm. and so they're you know obsessed with technology and their phones, of yes, course. Yes, of course. Um, but they're also interested in sustainability and the environment and kind of you know, to a degree, you know, you know what they're eating. Yeah. That inquisitive mind around that discussion around you know the planet brings them back probably to a world where they start to think about what they're putting into their body so yes it, it, it is a generational thing maybe isn't it that it become more natural that yeah technology is here to stay but them considering their environment and how their body reacts to the environment will become more important too yeah and maybe because people start to get more understanding about technology because you really have to put your mind in a different place mm. don't you to understand about radio waves and phone waves yeah. and how something works you know people are starting to like make huge advances in quantum computers and things yeah. like that so maybe there will be a shift in like the consciousness of people that they understand how these things can affect biology and then yeah. i think there will be a massive shift because people will think oh okay it's yeah. not just chemistry we've yeah. also got to consider physics in how the body works and then i think people will really begin to understand these more what are now called fringe therapies will become more mainstream that would be great Brilliant. Right. It's been a fantastic conversation. <laughs> I really want to move on to your own kind of where you've taken this. You've obviously done all of that research. You know, you've been involved both in like, as we said, the orthodox and the alternative. But you've um, you've got your own business. You've got your own product that you're developing. This is Sarah Thive. So please tell us a little bit about it, Sarah. Yeah. So like I say, my passion really is light and the brain. So if you put those together, you kind of get a light therapy device for yeah. the brain. And uh this is something that, again, it seems a little bit out there that you could shine light just across the surface of the, you know, really the device is, just looks like a headband with light clusters oh, okay. on it to have an impact. So it's not something that goes across your eyes, it's something that goes across your forehead. Goes across your forehead. Okay. Yeah. Goes across your forehead and I've got one at the back. Um, I've got one I might show you after we've had our little chat. Please do. Um, and then there's now evidence to suggest that that light can actually penetrate through the skull into the surface of the brain. And it affects what the mitochondria, which is in effect the energy powerhouse of the okay. cell, you know, how the en- body produces energy. And this has a huge cascade effect on all different things that happen in the brain. Uh, and they're starting to show things like post-traumatic stress, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia, all have a positive effect from just this very simple procedure of shining right. lights. Non-invasive, non-toxic. Yeah. You're just really, what you're doing is you're kind of harnessing that natural healing light of the sun. Okay. But you're doing it in a very concentrated and directed way. Okay, yeah. And people are starting to look at other ways of doing it. You know, you can maybe oscillate the light, so you can flicker the light to okay. match brain waves, and, you know, you can kind of have brain effects in that way. Yeah. So it's it's, it's very fascinating. It is. <laughs> it's totally, and I've got to, I got totally into it, and also I'm interested in like a holistic view of the body and you know the gut is hugely implicated in things like parkinson's so i also have a gut panel that goes across so you can do both at the same time right and this is really for people you know one who want to prevent illness again that's a harder sell of course yes you know because people don't want to think about dementias and things until it's there 
potentially it's a preventative medicine but then for people who already have these conditions potentially it's a way to relieve symptoms okay and prolong life or put you know or prolong the onset of yes so that's kind of the ultimate goal but as you say at the moment it's not recognized by any of the major medical yeah. institutions so i can't in my marketing i can't say okay i'm looking at ways to treat parkinson's for example uh, okay um, but what I can say is optimising brain health, and which is something, again, which is now proven that if you shine light on the brain, you can get better cognition, okay. memory, recall. Yeah. So the way that I'm looking to go with the company is to have a device that's marketed to help people improve their brain health, okay. optimise, yeah. rather than treat any condition, because then, you know, you're not making a claim that yeah. goes... That, that isn't validated to be fair it's not none of these things yeah, are validated you need to do the medical research it needs it leads a lot of study, clinical trials clinical yeah trials which are underway okay. they're underway in all different places but at the moment it's not something that is registered with any of the big medical okay. bodies however it is recognized you can help with cognition and memory and sleep and all of those good things okay. that are you you know who doesn't I've want better so many questions again now um <laughs> <laughs> So one of them I've got to go back to is this kind of, you know, perhaps there is a big thing, isn't there, about brain health, gut health and how the two yes, interact. Yes. And that's a subject again on, yeah. on its own. But clearly you've seen evidence of that and, and looking after your brain and your health through meditation or whatever it may be. Or yes. light therapy and dealing with your gut health in the same way. They are linked in your view. They are linked and it's, you know, like I say, there are studies underway. There are a lot of studies using, for example, like a rodent model. Yeah. And they can shine light in two places, like on the abdomen and on the head, and then they see increased abilities of the animal. Okay. That's, it's more and above that if you just shined on one of those two areas. Um, and yeah, there are now people who are looking at this in a very serious way for clinical trials with human subjects okay. to show, yeah, okay, you can have a systemic effect. And that, by that, I just mean you can shine the light in one place and it has an effect on another. Okay. So a systemic effect of shining light, for example, in the gut on brain health. Wow. So again, I think we're just, we, we really do need more people to be interested in this so we can really understand the mechanisms behind yeah. it. But certainly it seems like giving the body more energy, allowing more waste removal, yeah. you know, there are certain even um, epigenetic changes, and that just means like how genes may or may not be expressed, that seem to be triggered by this very simple light therapy. Wow. Yeah. So the second kind of questions, banker questions I had, I could still go on with the gut and brain health for a little bit, but let, let's move on, is around this, this must be a very challenging business. Yes. To get off the ground. Yes. Because as you say, you know, there's a sub a little bit of nervousness in the market there's a little bit of non-acceptance and so you're trying to build that evidence of work to enable people to see there is a benefit in this as well as the, all the normal startup challenges yes. of funding designing a product getting a product to market and all those things so where are you actually right now on this journey so right now um i have a product it's Going to the prototype stage. So I've got as far as getting the product and getting a, getting the prototype. Yeah. So I will have 25 working prototypes, hopefully next month. And you're right, it's a massive challenge to get that far. And I teamed up with a group in um, the Netherlands in order to get the funding to get this far. Yeah. And, and now I am finding a lot of challenges of getting funding to go to the next stage, which is the production phase, yeah. because of all the things we spoke about. Yeah. You know, for a start, you can't really talk about the main no. function of it. You have to kind of talk around yeah. it. 
there is some resistance you know because people want to they don't understand what they're investing in and of yeah. course that's a big that's really off-putting and and there is pr- actually like negative pressure to to invest in something where you know if you haven't got all of these relevant approvals yeah. so there's a lot of hoop jumping yeah that i've had to do to get this far so in all honesty i don't know how far it's going to go because there's been a couple of similar companies that i've noticed it that have had major problems even after this stage okay um but just to get this far is kind of a is is a mini achievement yeah (laughs) it's a mini achievement and and it kind of proves that there is interest in this and that it can work and I've got you know I go to a lot of the trade shows obviously and try and talk to a lot of people and there is a lot of interest in this product and certainly amongst this alternative health community people are very keen to have these devices okay and I think there are ways that that light is kind of getting in more into main industry like for example cosmetic use of devices people are much more likely to use something that gets rid of their wrinkles than yeah so from that point of view, you know, there's maybe avenues to reframe things. Or product pivot. diversification. Yeah, yeah, so that you become more attractive to investors. Yeah. Because obviously technology, you know, once you've made a certain technology, you can maybe adapt it in certain ways. Yeah. The expertise can be shared. So at the moment, I'm kind of looking at a lot of avenues of of different types of investment or different types of collaborations. Okay, really interesting. Yeah. And where would you like to see the business in five years time Sarah oh I would love to I would love it if if it could be in every old person's home that they have access to a device that helps relieve symptoms or if people could just have one at home and use this very simple non-toxic therapy to motivate themselves instead of glugging coffee or you know whatever people are doing that that would be the goal is if people kind of recognize the value in harnessing these fairly natural modalities, natural in that they're mimicking nature. Yeah. And and it be used more, you know, instead of some of these kind of more long term detrimental yeah. drug options. That yeah. that that would be my ultimate goal for this technology. Brilliant. What a great answer. And I, I always end and I think you might have answered my last question there, but I'll frame it slightly differently. And for you, just, you know, in life, what's your definition of success, Sarah? My definition, well, for a start, it's it's always learning. And be, being successful to me is if, okay, did I learn more la- this year than I did last year? Have I reached more people? So my definition of success is that I learn more and I reach more people every year. So if I can do that next year, I will consider myself successful. Well, hopefully this podcast has helped us to reach a few oh, more people on that, on that journey. And, Thank you. And that definition of success for you. Sarah, I've, I could speak all day with you. I'm fascinated by the subject. I'm Listeners, I'm going to have a look at this product now because I'm really intrigued. Sarah, you've been a wonderful guest on the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you. You've been a wonderful host. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.